Welcome, one and all, to another edition of my podcast. I am Corey, and it's already the beginning of June. Can you believe that? June is the sixth month of 2010, so we're almost halfway through the year, and that's just insane. Uh, you know, there's a song by Modest Mouse that says, uh, the years go fast, but the days go so slow. And yeah, yeah, wow. <laughs> but... Oh, anyhow, it's it's kind of a short week. Uh, I, I didn't get to do a whole lot this week because Memorial Day was, of course, this past Monday, and uh, I had a great time. I actually went out of town, visited a lot of friends and relatives, and I am very, very grateful for the men and women who have served in our country's armed forces, of course. And, almost as importantly, I was absolutely killing the competition in Cornhole. I was dominating. My uncles, cousins, and my nephew were, were all playing, and they could hardly stop my reign of terror. I, I really stepped my game up a level. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. But no, I did a lot of cool things other than that. Uh, I also played football and kickball with kids that were like half my size and even smaller than that. And they just about killed me. <laughs> yeah, they really did. They have a lot more energy than I do. Um, but, uh, I also got to talk with my grandfather, who is one of the greatest people in the world. Um, he's in his 80s, and he is sharp as a tack. He's awesome. He says exactly what's on his mind, and he's not afraid of offending anyone because of his blunt honesty. <laughs> so, yeah, that was just awesome. I got to spend a lot of time with him. He's just one of the strongest, smartest people in the world, and is awesome, and I'm just really grateful. He's a, he's a veteran also, so it was, it's really cool that I got to hang out with him on Memorial Day. But, yeah, yeah, even though my days were short this week, I'm still uh, bringing you a whole lot. I have an exciting interview. My first guest on the podcast ever is going to be a longtime friend of me, and uh, he was on the Midnight Podcast several times, writer Eric S. Brown. Yes, he'll come back and be talking to me here in a little bit. It's going to be fantastic. Fantastic. He's a great guy. Um, and uh, a couple other things. There, there are some people who died uh, here lately that I, I just want to talk about. Uh, first and foremost, Dennis Hopper just passed away on May 29th, and uh, I was really sad about that. I know he's been very sick, and uh, he, he was definitely one of my favorite actors, you know. Clear back, I love Easy Rider and all of that, and he was definitely one of the high points of Land of the Dead. And uh, he, he really is a legend in the film industry, and uh, he will be missed, and that was too bad. But uh, also, another famous person, I guess, that died uh, here just recently, within the past couple weeks, the bass player for the band Slipknot uh, passed away, and they're still trying to figure out exactly why, although it's, people are taking an educated guess. And, uh, which is probably going to end up being pretty accurate. And while it is, it's terrible when any human being passes away, and I feel really bad for the people who cared for him and were close to him. Despite all that, it's really hard for me to care, um, because he's just one of these guys. He, he just seemed like such a waste. He was on all kinds of drugs, which, you know, apparently is the reason he died. Uh, they're suspecting an OD. 
And to me, it's just like, man, this guy was a rocket scientist. You know, if you're going to do all these hard drugs and, and lead this kind of lifestyle, then nobody really should be surprised when you die because it's like you're flirting with it your whole life. And so eventually when it happens, everyone's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Well, <laughs> what do you expect? Oh, that's the chances that you take when you do that kind of stuff, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Drugs are bad. Uh, but, you know, in all honesty, Slipknot is actually, I think, one of the dumbest bands that I've ever I've ever heard of or ever seen. I tried listening to them when their first album came out, and it was just unlistenable. It was really terrible. Um, and I guess they try to make up for their lack of musical talent by putting on these Halloween costumes and trying to be scary and whatever. You know, kind of like Marilyn Manson. <laughs> but... Oh, man. But uh, I I'm just hoping that maybe Slipknot will just kind of go away now and that the members will be, you know, resuming their normal day jobs of, well, probably being unemployed and, you know, <laughs> making sure the trailer park's in order. <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm terrible. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> oh, anyhow, something else I'm kind of sick of hearing about is the oil spill, the old thing going on in the Gulf there. And while it is terrible... <laughs> It's just like, you know, it's day in and day out now. And I think people are kind of trying their best here to get things cleared up. But uh, I don't know. For some reason, it's not working. I don't know who to blame and who to defend and whatever. I don't know. But I'm, I'm just here and I, I'm seeing that, the, you know, the general public, in their infinite wisdom, as always, are, are doing things like going to their local BP stations and dumping stuff on them, you know, like splashing the signs with oil and dumping stuff in the parking lot and things like that to kind of speak out against the oil spill and what BP has done and <laughs> or not done or whatever. And these people are a bunch of retards. I mean, they're they're really they're they're doing nothing but hurting the small business owners because the vast majority of these BP service stations are not owned directly by BP. They're owned by local small business owners who just happen to be selling BP gas, but they have to, you know, take care of the premises and they own the building and everything like that. So by defacing all of this stuff, you're just hurting the small businesses and you're not hurting BP whatsoever. And it's stupid because you're not making a statement at all. You're just... <laughs> Showing everyone how stupid you are. So, you know, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. And I know that the public is really hurting to really want to do something. And they really want to make a difference here. They really do. And they want to put up tons of pretentious YouTube video blogs calling for a boycott. <laughs> Sick of seeing those things. But, uh, you know, the general public, especially a lot of people that dwell here on the internet... <laughs> Which I'm one of them, I guess. But so are you. So are you. <laughs> but most most of the people like that are so incredibly uninformed and misled and, and just... Oh, I don't know. So they don't know what they're doing. Most of us don't know what we're doing. <laughs> oh, how ridiculous. So, yeah, yeah. I'm not defending BP. I don't know who, who to believe here. and I don't know what's going on. But all I know is that I'm tired of hearing about it. <laughs> Uh, but something cool that I have been doing here is uh, I've started listening to an audiobook. This is recommended to me by Rick Moore. And uh, if you've listened to the Midnight Podcast back in the day, um, you know, I've talked about Rick several times. He's uh, a writer and uh, a really good guy. But uh, he recommended that uh, I check out this book, Play Dead, by Ryan Brown. And I hadn't heard of it before, and I went and checked it out. And I ended up buying the audiobook. 
And um, I'm over halfway through it now. And uh, he's like, yeah, I'd like to hear what you have to say about it. So I've been listening to that, which is really cool. Um, I've been uh, playing video games, something I meant to uh, <laughs> actually talk about last week. And it was it was right here in front of me, but I, I just never did, is how much I have been playing Red Dead Redemption. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. that uh, that's That's an incredible game. And actually, I'm going to be reviewing that uh, coming up here at some point. So I'll tell you about that later, but yeah, I've been wasting a lot of time with that. Um, also I'll be talking about some beer that I drank. If you've been following me on Twitter, uh, you'll know that I tried a new beer this past week. So I'll be talking about that. So bringing back the old beer review, I guess. <laughs> and I got some voicemails. I got some original music and, 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 um, I have a zombie movie review, um, which is Tales from the Grave from 2006. And this is, this is a, a very interesting kind of movie. So, uh, yeah, that was on Netflix Instant Watch. I'll be talking about all of this stuff, uh, talking to Eric S. Brown. It's going to be a fun show, as always. stuff goes, it was disappointing, and I don't have much to talk about. Uh, I just came up with a bunch of articles and stuff where people were discussing why they like zombie movies and trying to psychoanalyze stuff. I was on message boards where people were trying to, trying to, you know, psychologically explain why there are those of us who 
absolutely hated Survival of the Dead, which I think is the majority of people out there and the very, very minute minority of people who uh, actually liked it and why they liked it and trying to be all psychological about it and just ended up sounding stupid. <laughs> and, um, I'm just tired of that kind of thing. I really, really am. And it's just beyond me, you know, just so I can add my little editorial here. It's beyond me how anyone could like Survival of the Dead. Um, you know, I've read things, people are defending it and, and being, and people are vehement about it. Of course, of course, I found that out. You know, people are very, very vehement about zombie stuff. Zombies are make-believe, but I'm gonna make this so serious. And, you know, everything I do is, has this, like, weird kind of sense of humor involved in it. And that in, includes all this zombie stuff that I do and the horror that I watch. It's all kind of intertwined with my weird sense of humor. And when people get so serious about it, <laughs> then it, it just kind of robs me of all the fun that I get out of all this stuff. So, and I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to get into it because I might make people mad. And I don't want to do that. You all know I want to be nice to all you guys. So <laughs> let's be positive. Let's smile and think about the sunshine. Uh, the, the Probably one cool thing that I found out about this week is that um, I saw the first image from the Walking Dead TV series. It was posted to the Library of the Living Dead forums by uh, Tony Schaub. And the, the image that he posted looks really, really cool. Actually, actually it looks incredible. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's a zombie woman, and it's really cool. You ought to go check it out. I'll give you a link in the show notes. But uh, according to Tony's post on the forum, uh, they've just begun shooting the series in Atlanta, and it's slated for six episodes by AMC to be aired in the fall. And I can't wait for that. I love The Walking Dead. And uh, so this is, <laughs> you know, looking, looking pretty impressive so far. One picture, and it's looking good. So keep it going, guys. All right. You don't call retarded people retards. You call your friends retards when they're acting retarded. I want to tell you about a beer this week that I tried, and this is one that I've seen on the store shelves when I've gone to my Wegmans looking for a new six-pack to try out. And uh, I, I think I've probably seen it nearly every time that I've gone there, and it's because of the label. Um, so uh, this beer is Hop Devil Ale by Victory Brewing, located in the great state of Pennsylvania. So you can check them out at victorybeer.com. So, yeah, uh, the label here is actually, it's very colorful. It depicts a hop cone, so this green hop cone, with horns and a face and a little, uh, you know, tail coming out the back. So it's like the hop devil. And um, I'm not sure why I never bought this. I think maybe it's because I was expecting to be overpowered by hops. Because in my experiences... When a beer makes some sort of a reference to hops in its title, then you're probably in for a ton of hops. And it just gets to a point where it is just way too much. And don't get me wrong, I love hops, you know, uh, thus my love for IPAs. But I don't like to be smothered with them. <laughs> and uh, so I was actually pleasantly surprised when I found that Hop Devil actually kind of achieves the perfect balance of these bitter hops and a kind of fruity sweetness. It was really good. It pours a cloudy amber, the very sweet smell, kind of a grapefruity kind of thing going on. Really, really nice. The taste is very good. The hops are definitely there, but it is not overpowering. Like I said, it strikes a great balance. It is very drinkable. You can drink it uh, at a very comfortable pace, or you can drink it very fast <laughs> if you want. 
<laughs> I think the one night I did that, and that was good. So, uh, yeah, yeah, actually, uh, I think it was a fantastic choice. I'm glad I bought it. Um, Victory Brewing here actually uses American hops and imported German malts and uh, makes for a great tasting beer, 6.7% alcohol by volume. So yeah, I'm going to recommend Hop Devil Ale by Victory Brewing. Victorybeer.com, go check it out. That's my beer review. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? I know I'm ugly. I asked a bartender to make me a zombie. Told me God beat him to it. Oh, here a couple weeks back, I was actually out eating at a restaurant with my wife and my mother-in-law, and it occurred to me that today was May 23rd. And May 23rd was the date that I had stored in my mind that Super Mario Galaxy 2 was coming out. And all of a sudden, I was really excited. So um, they wanted to uh, go shopping somewhere after we were done eating, and I was not up for that whatsoever. So I said, hey, I'm going to go to GameStop. I'm going to get this new game, and you guys can go do your shopping. So it was great. So go to GameStop, and I go in, and... There are big signs all over the store for Super Mario Galaxy 2 and everything out May 23rd and go up to the desk and I realized that the day was not May 23rd, it was actually the 22nd and I was one day early for Super Mario Galaxy. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, I was, I was very sad, but I was at GameStop and I was in the mood, I was, I was there to buy a video game, all of a sudden the video game that I went there for was not actually going to be available, and I felt like an idiot, <laughs> which is not the first time. And so I'm like, all right, and I start looking around, and the first game that caught my eye, and as soon as I saw it, I'm like, well, that's the game i got to buy since I'm here, was Red Dead Redemption. This is a game that I've been reading a lot about. I never played the first game, which was, I can't even remember what it was called. I never played it. But this game, made by Rockstar, which is uh, the same people that makes Grand Theft Auto, so it's run on the same kind of engine there. It's the same kind of look and same kind of control, except Red Dead Redemption is in the Old West. And I'll tell you what, this game is fantastic. This is awesome. Xbox 360 is what I got it for, and I have been spending hours and hours and hours in this thing, not necessarily running around and completing a lot of missions, although I've been doing a little bit of that, but it's mostly just exploring and hunting and seeing what I can find and seeing if I can get myself killed, which I've managed to do an awful lot. And uh, yeah, this game is a ton of fun. It's a completely open-ended. It's one of those sandbox games like, you know, Grand Theft Auto 4, for example. You can just run around and do whatever you want. You're not limited by time, necessarily. And uh, you can, yeah, do whatever. It's, it's great. I've been playing poker and blackjack. Uh, I've been doing a lot of hunting, found all kinds of horses. I've been shooting stuff, shooting people, uh, bounty hunting, and things like that. Man, just... This is one of the best games that I have ever played. And I recommend it. If you have an Xbox 360 or a PS3, go out and get it. Go out and get it. There's some multiplayer things available that are apparently pretty cool, but I don't even care because I'm having so much fun playing with myself. <laughs> that came out wrong. I'm having so much fun in uh, single player mode in Red Dead Redemption. So let's put it that way. <laughs> Go buy this game. It's great. <laughs> Yeah!
I'd like you all to welcome right now the very first guest for the new podcast here, very first other person that you're going to hear other than me, and I'm really, really happy that it's good friend, writer extraordinaire, all-around nice guy, Eric S. Brown. Mr. Brown, welcome. Hi, it's good to be on the show. <laughs> I am I am so glad that you got in touch with me, because it's like, I've actually missed you quite a bit. <laughs> well, Thanks. I, I miss you too, Corey. <laughs> well, no, you're so cool to talk to, and it's like it's probably been, it's probably been eight months, at least. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, yeah. The last one I can remember is Horror Realm. I think you're <laughs> right. I think you're right. Man, that's sad. Why don't we talk more often, man? You just gotta like call I, me up every once in a while. No, we we should. <laughs> we should. We should. Because I no, I'm serious. You're one of the guys that I've just had the most fun being able to kind of strike up a friendship with and just be able to talk to because it's so, you know, we share a lot of the same interests and you're a great writer and you're an inspiration to me because I'm trying to 
you know, be some kind of writer here, I guess. And I look at your work ethic and I'm like, man, <laughs> you know, I, I, I got to step it up because I'm totally slacking because there's been a, there's been so much again that's been going on in your life just in the past few months here. Yeah, um, there, there are those who believe that, you know, at the beginning of 2009, Eric S. Brown was actually killed by a zombie version of The Flash who uh, just took over his name. He's <laughs> <laughs> had eight books last year, nine books this year, <laughs> and I have a comic series that's about to start. Oh so on top of uh, ongoing columns, anthology appearances, and general short fiction. so You are the man that never stops writing. Like, I'm convinced yeah, probably, probably right now your hand's just going. You know, and it's just like I don't think you ever stop. It's good stuff. Well, what's the what's the most exciting thing? What's going on right now? Wow. Well, um, on the uh, career front, the most exciting thing for me was um, I did a book last year for Coscom Entertainment called uh, "War of the Worlds Plus Blood Guts and Zombies." Oh yes. A zombie remake of H.G. Wells' classic tale of alien invasion, and uh, Simon Schuster, one of the big boys who published people like Stephen King. Uh, actually, ball sack. Beautiful. Uh, it comes out at the end of this year on the December 14th, and it's already available as a pre-order on Amazon. So uh, career-wise, that's probably the biggest thing for me. Because it's like a whole new realm of writing. Um, wow. You know, the small press has called me the king of zombies for some time now, and uh, the small press has just been really good to me. But it's kind of nice to step out and go more mainstream with that book. Oh, now, on the uh, the personal front. Um, last year, I signed a multi-book deal with Coscom, mm -hmm. same company that did War of the Worlds, and uh, I was supposed to do several zombie books for them. Well, I, I approached Coscom and said, look, you know, I, I really have this project I want to do. And they were like, really? What is it? And I was <laughs> like, I want a Sasquatch book. You know, I yes. want some really in-your-face Bigfoot horror, because Bigfoot's kind of became a joke. And if you look at almost every single Bigfoot movie that's ever been made, there's only one Sasquatch. And I want to do a zombie-type Sasquatch story where it's almost, you know, that zombie plague feel where this one little town of 800 people is basically assaulted and wiped out by this tribe of, like, five, six dozen Sasquatches in the course yes. of a couple of days. And they were like, Bigfoot? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they, they were very understanding. We haggled it out, and... Uh, I wrote the book last year and then essentially rewrote it at the beginning of this year because, uh, again, it's my baby. It's my personal, you mm. know, I think it's the best I've ever done. Um, wow. And it went through like five, six rounds of edits for Coscom. It just came out, I believe, last month. And uh, it's about to get a brand new, just freaking awesome cover from Philip Rogers that should be available probably by next week, I would hope. Um, so if you uh, want to read possibly my best non-zombie work ever, uh, log on to Amazon and check out Bigfoot War. Ooh, I will put that up on my blog, and I will check it out. I'll put it on my pile, anyhow, and we'll get to it eventually at some point. <laughs> okay. Because like we were talking before, it's like, you know, for somebody that professes to be such a, a big Eric, Eric S. Brown fan, I've been totally slacking and reading anything of yours as of late. I find that people who like my work have a hard time keeping up with my work because, I mean, there are just so many books coming out all the time in mm -hmm. every direction from different publishers. Mm -hmm. And they're so wildly different in subject matter. Like uh, Sonar 4 is doing the human experiment this year, which is a superhero book. And I have nice. another superhero book from Library of Science Fiction and Fantasy uh, co-authored by David Dunwoody called Antiheroes. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really awesome book. And my, my half of it's a zombie tale with my character, Agent Death, from The Human Experiment. Right. 
And uh, let's see. So I've got the superhero front, and I just did a military science fiction book from Peel Hill Press called Kimbera Down that just came out this week, uh, which is about a starship, actually a big battle cruiser, that gets in a uh, terrible battle with a race called the Darians, who are cat-like aliens, and they have to emergency jump out of that sector, and they end up crash-landing on an ice planet full of flesh-eating, snow-burying, insect-like monsters. Yes. So you have yes. this big, massive battleship of, like, Marines and, you know, the crew of the ship trying to survive against not only this, you know, ice hoth type planet, but all these creatures trying to break through the shield, get into the ship, and just eat them alive. That's awesome. <laughs> So yeah, I've kind of, and then, then of course there's the Bigfoot book, and then my typical zombie stuff. Uh, my first hardcover, which is called Undead Down Under, set in Australia, that's a direct sequel to The Rats from Season of Rot, uh, comes out this October. So that's yeah, exciting. kind of all across the board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, I was really excited when you emailed me and were telling me about Undead Down Under because I think of all the stories in Rats or in uh, Season of Rot, rather. I'm sorry that rats would be the one, I think, that I would most want to continue and to know more about because there was so much more that you talked about that you weren't able to really incorporate into a short story or a novella. And I was really happy to see you kind of, you know, expanded on that and are doing, like you said, a sequel to it, basically. Well, I can tell you this. Um, Undead, uh, Undead Don't Under, which will be out this October in hardcover from Bill Hill, um, has Kyle the main evil character from Rats, back. And he's now in complete control of Britain. And uh, during the course of the sequel, we get to go into Russia and kind of see the uh, the bat-demon-esque vampire creatures a little bit. And nice. uh, But the main course of the book takes place in Australia with a brand-new type of demon that was only hinted at in the Rats novella. Ooh. And along the way, Kyle becomes even more evil and uh, picks up some H.P. Lovecraft-type magic. Yes. Kind of Necronomicon style. So it's a very different zombie book. Oh, but uh, it does have a lot of cool zombies. The cover for it is awesome. Uh, it's done by an artist named Philip Rogers. And it's got a Mad Max style road warrior on a motorcycle with a machete driving through a big pack of zombies and hacking them up. Yes. Under a rising sun. So Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Rats was Lovecraftian anyhow, you know, and, and just being that you're expanding on that and, you know, kind of bringing more of those elements into it, that's great. Because that's what made so much of that story for me was, the, was that style and that you brought speaking in. speaking of sequels, um, early next year from Sonar 4 Publications, there will be a direct sequel to The Queen, which picks up with the character Scott, where he, where he ends on the boat trying to kill himself. Mm. And it's a very post-apocalyptic zombie pirate universe kind of thing. Well, zombie pirate storyline set in the world of the Queen where the war between the humans who are surviving on the oceans and the intelligent society of dead, the dead on Earth, you know, or the land masses, really escalates. And that book is called uh, The Brethren of the Dead. Ooh, so, I like that. Very, yeah, apparently pirates in the early 1800s referred to themselves as the Brethren. So that's the title, Brethren oh. of the Dead, because it is a diehard pirate type zombie book nice nice oh that, that's that's like you know zombies are really really cool but zombies are flipping awesome whenever you add pirates in with them and yeah, i love I that know I, oh go ahead no <laughs> i was just gonna say i love that you're having kind of the the zombies occupying the land and then the humans trying to survive on sea i mean how do you do that and i love i love that whole thing you're exploring there that sounds really interesting to me 
Now, I, I know I have way too many books, but let me tell you about two more real quick. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> there was a, another book I did that's already out this year and one coming next year, which are both things that I love. Um, I've always loved the Western genre. So I want to do a diehard horror Western and a zombie Western. So uh, my actual horror Western is already on the market, and it's mm-hmm. called How the West Went to Hell. And yes. uh, it is a uh, about a little town in late 1800s California called Reaper's Valley, in which a demon has unleashed this viral agent that turns people into demon-esque zombies and is trying to end the world. And it's up to a gunfighter, a barkeeper's maid, a gambler, the town sheriff, and a book editor to uh, kind of save the world from the zombie demon apocalypse. Nice. Uh, and it, it's actually gotten a lot of interest from Hollywood. Uh, nothing Ooh. definite yet, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> That's great. It's, it, <laughs> it's funny you say Hollywood because so much of your stuff, when I'm reading it, I'm, I'm just like, I would love to see this on the screen because it, it's very visual, you know, and it's very like, how would this translate to the a visual medium, to like the big screen or something? And... Like why 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 isn't more of your stuff being picked up like that? You know, it should be. It really should be. Well, I, that one it came out and it has such a dynamic cover and it's such a different kind of demon versus cowboys into the world feel that I don't know. Like three four days after it came out, I was approached by a massive uh, person who uh, had interest in it, and you know, <clears throat> an agency has took over from there, and we'll see how it goes. Wow! But well, anyhow, I wish you luck on that because that's great. Uh, my other Western will be out at the end of this year, and it is a post-apocalyptic zombie Western. Um, I spent over eight years writing zombies. Mm. And I said, and, and I wrote this before Undead Down Under or any of my other zombie stuff that's on the horizon. Mm. Uh, at the time when I wrote this book, I had stepped away from zombies. My last couple of books had been Bigfoot, Alien, Superheroes. And I was mm. just kind of burnt out on zombies. And I was kind of like to the point where if I come back and do zombies again, I want to do something that's really original, different, that you know, will just you know, blow everything else I've ever done in the zombie realm out of the water. Mm. So uh, that was my goal. And uh, the book is called The Weaponer. And it will be out from Coscom Entertainment later this year. And uh, as I said, it's a post-apocalyptic western. In which, uh, the premise is pretty much a zombie virus has wiped out most of civilization. In the United States, as a last-ditch effort in the last couple of years before the complete fall of mankind, uh, the government built this gigantic wall out in the Midwest, kind of like the Wall of China. It enclosed almost half a state worth of land. In the very center of this is a little town called Hyattsburg, and the wall was manned by soldiers. And the book picks up three generations later. So cut off from the outside world with no supplies, they revert to a Western level of tech. Ooh. And uh, it's pretty much a Western in a zombie world enclosed behind this big wall. And uh, the main character is a guy whose great-great-great-grandfather was a weapons designer military person who's left him all of these guns that he's taken care of. And, and the kid himself is a genius. And it's about... And he's, he's also the only person who can build the weapons and supply the weapons that the people behind the wall use. And it's about him having to pick up his weapons that he designs and become a warrior. So uh, it's it's a very different book because while it's post-apocalyptic and western, it has a lot of Matrix elements in it because it, it's very action-oriented. It has the longest one-person versus a horde of zombies scene in it I've ever written. So if you <laughs> right. like 
cinematic violence gore, you will love the weaponer. Beautiful. And very surprise element to it too, which we'll have to read when it comes out later. Cool. Man, man, that sounds that sounds great. No, but the Western thing is so cool. I've 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 really and I, I think a lot of it has been there have been some some zombie western comics to come out and I know Dead West was like really, really cool. That was probably my favorite uh some season right now. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And uh so I've really been in a, a big kind of uh I don't know, a western kick. I guess lately, and there's uh, I've been playing this this new video game, this Red Dead Redemption video game, which is a western and is really cool, and and now you're doing more westerns and Jonah Hex comes out July 18th. Ooh, yes, yes. So that that should set the tone of whether or not the western genre is going to do well, right there. So what do you think the appeal is? I mean, why? Do, what's the appeal to you? Why do you pick up and say, hey, I man, I'd really love to write a write a story or a novel or something set in a western feel. Well, I've always liked the Western genre. I mean, I grew up reading Jonah Hex, mm. and uh, you know, my parents, being in the South, watched a lot of Western stuff when I was a kid. And uh, during that time, where um, I was going through my zombie breakdown, you know, I was thinking, well, I'm writing superheroes, aliens, Bigfoot, so I really want to come back to zombies because the Weapon was the first of all my new zombie stuff I wrote. Mm. Um, I happened to be reading a lot of Lewis Moore because sometimes I'll sidetrack and just read something really bizarre that's out of my normal spectrum. Oh, yeah. And uh, Lewis Lamore was just such an amazing writer. I mean, the, the man was a genius. And uh, I read several of his westerns, and I was just like, okay, I, I've got to do this. But I've got to make it, like, totally screwed up Eric S. Brown style. Yes, <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> so uh, that, That's kind of how I got into that. So I read The Weaponer, and then I turned around. And, as soon as I finished The Weaponer, I signed a three-book deal with Pill Hill Press, so I sat down and did uh, How the West Went to Hell in Seven Days. Because like, oh, it was in, just in such a zombie, end-of-the-world uh, Western mood, it was really easy to tear through How the West Went to Hell. Yeah. Which has gotten a lot of great reviews so yeah. far. So uh, hopefully people will check it out. And you know, another another book, and we, we just got done talking about this, but the more I read what people are saying about Bigfoot War... It's like the more excited I get for it, because literally, man, I mean, the reviews for this seem to be off the charts. And well, I certainly hope they will continue to say that. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, like I said, I, I didn't come across, actually, any unfavorable reviews for that whatsoever. And, yeah, uh, I think all the ones on Amazon are five star. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think that has a lot to do with, you know, Bigfoot, Bigfoot, like in the 70s, early 80s, used to be a really terrifying monster. Mm-hmm. And, you, mm-hmm. you know, and scientific research was kind of like, oh, he's a pacifist, yada, yada, yada. So it kind of became a pop culture joke. Oh, and Harry and the Hendersons, again. right there, yeah. you know? Yeah, and uh, where is he? he used to be a great monster. So Bigfoot War is unique in, in the fact that there's not a lot of real hardcore horror Bigfoot fiction out there. And it's double unique in the fact that it's a freaking tribe of like 60 monsters, not just one who's terrorizing the town. Mm. So, I mean, it, it was my book that I just felt in my heart I had to do as a fan of the Bigfoot genre to try and make him, you know, really a cryptozoological nightmare and not a beef jerky joke. Mm. Well, that's yeah. really cool. Something you're doing is you're writing for yourself, it sounds like. I mean, you're you're writing about stuff that... You are really, really into, and you know we've we've talked about this a lot. But you know you're a big zombie fan, and you you read a lot of comics. You're a huge comic fan, and mm-hmm. all of this stuff. You know you're writing stories that appeal to you, and that you would want to read. 
in other yep. in other that things. That is pretty much the whole purpose of my writing. Right. I do what I would want to see as a fan. Right. And people Hopefully pick that up comes on that. Across. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of comics, uh, I believe early next year um, I have a comic book coming out. I was supposed to have one last year based on Dead West, but the company promptly went out of business after they bought it to me, bought it from me before publishing. Uh. Well, I found a more trustworthy company this time who had bought the rights to my character, Agent Death, from the Human Experiment Antiheroes. And nice. uh, early next year, the first issue of Agent Death and the Angels will be on the market. Ooh, beautiful. So. Beautiful. Did you ever think you'd see that day where your name would be on a comic book somewhere? <laughs> well, I saw it last year because Dan well, yeah. was finished, just not published. True, I still have true. the cover. I was like, oh. <laughs> but you're such a huge comic fan and, and just grown up. I mean, I assume you've been reading them like your whole life. I mean, oh, since you were a kid. Yeah. So it's like, was that kind of a dream? Like someday, you know, I want to be, I want to be one of these guys. You know, I want to, I want to see very my name much there. so. It yep. still is. Yes, I would love to be Jonathan Mayberry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tell him that all the time. My yeah. writing's just random. Like, hey, Jonathan, I want to be you, man. <laughs> <laughs> As a matter, it, it's funny because uh, he's another guy. I just uh, just been emailing him here a couple times back and forth, and looks like he he might be guest number two on the show here. Well, you can't soon. find a better guest than Jonathan Mayberry. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> there I can't you go. Wait. Yeah. Hey, after John, you should hook up with David Dunwoody because Dunwoody's a genius. I would love to interview the Dunwoody. I, I would love to have him on. He's a great guy, and he's he's putting out a lot of stuff too. I mean, just just all the time. It seems like I'm getting updates from him about doing stuff, and you know. It's... And again, I guess I should mention our joint book, which is on the horizon from the uh, oh. science fiction fantasy imprint of Library Living Dead Press, which is called Antiheroes. Yes, and uh, it features my character Agent Death and I've called the Zombie Farm, where he comes down to rural North Carolina and fights a horde of zombies <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> with his team of superheroes. And uh, Dave's story is called The Enslaver of Worlds, which is a much more alien, Lovecraftian, big monster kind of gone good like the Hulk storyline. Oh. Whereas my guy's like some kind of weird little cross between uh, Hugo Weaving's character from The Matrix, The Ghost Rider, and John Constantine. So wow. <laughs> the cover of the book is going to look freaky because my <laughs> little Agent Death guy is going to be standing in front of this big, massive Enslaver of Worlds. But I think it's going to be a beautiful cover. So. Nice, nice, but oh yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's really cool. But yeah, anyhow, the uh, everyone. Uh, hopefully, I, I, there are so many people I'd love to interview. Um, you know, because Dunwoody's been on my list. But the thing is, I want to read Empire. It is right here on my shelf. It's in my pile. You know, oh, don't make me drive up there and kick your butt for not reading Empire. I know, I know. <laughs> and that's that's another book and everything I read about it, and everyone talks it up. And it's like, you got to read this, you got to read this. And it's right here. It's right beside, you know, the zombie CSU that I haven't even touched yet, but, you know, is here. Um, I have uh, Rhea's first book um, in the, um, um, I can't, As the World Dies. I'm sorry. Right. right. Um, her first book that I haven't opened. Um, <laughs> I have Rob Fox's Z Day is here. I have, also a good book. I have Dying to Live, Path and Roth. Um, uh, yeah, okay, I'm just gonna come beat you now, Corey. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and this is this is uh, this but, is part uh, of my pile. Um, I gotta say, though, read Empire for two reasons. Mm. Okay, and I, hopefully David won't mind me telling the world the second one because he's done it in public. But let's <laughs> hope he on this podcast. Um, one, Empire is probably one of the most original, dynamic, genre-changing books out there. I mean, it's the bloody grim reaper killing 
zombies on Earth in a post-apocalyptic America. Mm-hmm. It's genius. I think it was even rated one of the best zombie books of the decade or something like that. Wow. So if you haven't read it and you like zombies, you need to read Empire. Mm-hmm. And secondly, for me personally, um, when David wrote Empire, he was reading my work. So <laughs> wow, so you're David a direct told influence. me personally that... Yeah, it was my work that inspired him to go out there and create this masterpiece. And while, you know, I don't in any way pretend to be the writer that David is, you know, it, it's very honoring and flattering that he would be inspired enough by my work to create this just masterpiece that Empire is. Wow. I to, love David. David done what oh. he's like a brother to me. Yeah. Man. Well, I got, I got that, uh, just the kind of guy he is. And, and you are. I mean, there's nothing like meeting somebody in person to really – get to know them and to really uh, get a good feel for what kind of person they are. And you, I already knew you were a really nice guy, but meeting you in person really confirmed that. And meeting David at Horror Realm was really, really great too because everything I knew about him up until then was online and, you know, message boards and things like that. And then I actually got to meet him like, wow, he is he is a really good guy. Well, before we wrap this up, I should say again, uh, Kim down. My science fiction military book with Snowbearing Monsters just came out. It's on Amazon. Uh, How the West Went to Hell, if you're feeling kind of Jonah Hex, Demon Apocalypse, Dario Argento Western, uh, is also on Amazon. And uh, then my personal masterpiece, uh, Bigfoot War, is there. So please, please, uh, if you buy no other book from me this year, go buy Bigfoot War and support me in that. Because it, it was a dream project for me as a fan and a writer and a person. So uh, pick up Bigfoot War above all else. Awesome. And I, I'm, I'm just thinking right now what we're going to do and what I'm going to do, I'm going to sponsor a contest, okay, an Eric S. Brown contest, because I really think people, myself included, uh, should be really checking you out here. And so I'm going to try and encourage that a little bit. What I'm going to do is pick up a copy of Bigfoot War, and I'm going to hold some kind of a contest here on the podcast and uh, give away a copy of Bigfoot War to somebody who does something. So, <laughs> how's that so for a contest? You were that person. Yeah, Dude, yes. Something. No, actually, I should buy two copies, one for myself, and then I'll give one away because I, I really need to read it too. So, And I, I will match you in that and say if you go through with this contest, I'll throw in a signed copy of How the West Went to Hell. Ooh. Oh, well, there we go. We're, we're going to do this. I'm going to get it figured out, I promise. I'll make it. I'll make the guidelines a little more specific here. Yeah, and something's <laughs> kind of vague. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. People might be confused about what they need to do. So we'll, we'll clear that all up. But, uh, Eric, that would be awesome. Um, man. So uh, we'll talk about that. We'll get something figured out. Uh, this, this, I'm going to put this interview on the podcast, actually, for this very week. So here in the next week or so, let's... Uh, Let's get in touch and figure out uh, something cool that we can make our listeners do to to win a copy of the book, a signed copy and then a an unsigned copy. So we'll have two winners. That'd be sweet. Sounds good. Sweet. Well, Eric, oh man, it's been a blast talking to you. And uh, man, like I said, anytime you want to come back on, man, I always love to talk to you, and I appreciate your time today. Oh, no problem. All Thanks right, for having well, me on. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'll be putting all these links up on the show notes where you can check them out and uh, stay tuned for further Eric S. Brown contest information. Eric, it's been a blast, man. I'll be talking to you later. All right. See you, Corey. All right. Bye-bye. This is metal for fish. Fish don't got no good metal to listen to. Yeah, it's true. Fresh, huh? This one's called Mermaid. It's about mermaid murder.
Well, my zombie movie review for this week is going to be Tales from the Grave from 2006. And the reason I watched it, once again, is because it was on Netflix Instant Watch on my Nintendo Wii. So it was there, it was a zombie movie, I didn't look at the ratings or anything. I just said, I'll watch that one. <laughs> and, and boy, oh boy, you know, I didn't know anything about it going in. And, you know, right off the bat, it's basically kind of one of these creep show or Tales from the Crypt kind of rip-off movies where it's kind of three short movies all pushed into one. And um, except, you know, this one is very, very low budget and it's just it doesn't do a lot of things really well. But uh, it also doesn't benefit from any kind of storyline that that extends throughout the entire movie. You know, in Creepshow, there's a storyline going on behind the three shorter storylines and that kind of thing. And it pulls it all together. This movie doesn't do that. And it's just boom, boom, boom. Three stories. There you go. Take them or leave them. <laughs> I'm thinking I should have left them. Uh, but yeah, yeah, basically uh, three short films. And so I watched it and, you know, like I said, it's low budget. Everything's shot on video. It's, uh, you know, it's not, it's not Z movie quality, but you know, it's more B movie quality with uh, a few things. They actually did some things right, but, uh, I don't know. The first, the first segment in here is called Beyond Death. And so I started watching this, and while I was watching it, it was just like, really, uh, things were striking me as very familiar. And then I realized that I recognized one of the zombies in, uh, in this kind of short here. So I start reading up about this a little bit, and lo and behold, I found out that actually each one of the segments in Tales from the Grave was a movie, a B-movie at some point around the year 2000-2002, and they re-edited the movies to fit within this bigger movie. So they shortened them down. <laughs> and uh, Because uh, I could have sworn I've seen this zombie before, and I guess I just thought it was a rip-off. So the first one, Beyond Death, was originally The Dead Hate the Living. <laughs> and Bad Hammer, if you're out there, um, you reviewed uh, The Dead Hate the Living for the Midnight Podcast, and you had uh, not really great things to say about it, and now I know why. <laughs> I've seen it. But there are other people out there who say that it isn't a bad movie and uh, don't hate it as much as I think Bad Hammer does. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, what happens here is that there are these filmmakers who find a dead body while they're starting to shoot their film at this dilapidated hospital. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, the body comes back to life and other zombies also start coming in and uh, they kind of they start attacking the filmmakers and get their revenge on them or whatever. It's pretty cheesy and doesn't make a whole lot of sense and and that's pretty much it. But that's originally the dead hate the living. So uh, yeah, weird. Now the second segment is called Brides of the Dead. This one apparently was a movie called Hell Asylum. And uh, this one's all about a reality show. And it's an extreme reality show called, uh, like, Chill, The Ultimate Chill, or Chill something. I forget, but something with chill in it. It was kind of dumb sounding. But they're holding it in a haunted mansion, and the contestants are all models. And as you would expect, bad things happen. People get killed. There are ghosts and things like that. And the whole thing's kind of done in that very overused, very annoying reality TV style of shooting. And, uh, yeah, so that was that. But that was originally Hell Asylum. The last segment is called The Rotting Dead, originally the movie titled Dead and Rotting. 
And this is about a witch that takes revenge on this group of guys. Uh, something having to do with her dead son. And I, I don't know if she thinks that they killed him or they had something to do with killing him. And um, I, I guess it kind of sounds like Friday the 13th, you know, the mother taking revenge for her son that was dead on the people that res were responsible for it and whatever. But this is actually nowhere close to Friday the 13th, it has no resemblance whatsoever. And it's definitely the weirdest of the three segments. So, yeah, there's no continuity between these, and um, uh, but there are some gory, violent moments, and I, those that's what I enjoyed. Uh, I didn't enjoy much, but I did enjoy uh, some of the gore, some of the violence, but there are also a lot of really cheesy moments. Uh, the, the one thing, in all three of these, it, I, I think it had... A really hard time maintaining a good balance between the horror and the terror and suspense and kind of the humor that's thrown in. And uh, although I guess there were several moments that really did make me laugh, but I don't think that they were intended to be that way. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, the acting isn't great. Um, and when the stories are so short like this, it's really hard to invest in the characters and to really care about them. It takes very, very talented filmmakers to be able to do that in such a short amount of time. And unfortunately, that, that wasn't here. I don't know. The rating, I'm going to give Tales from the Grave a 5 out of 10. It's basically a waste of your time except for some good violence and things like that. Um, but I, what I've decided I'm going to do, because I've never seen any of these original movies. Bad Hammer actually d turned me off of The Dead Hate the Living altogether. I wasn't even going to give it a chance. Although, I think I have seen it. Like, way back in the day, I think I was in, like, high school or college or something, and I rented it from the video store. So, and that's why I was kind of looking familiar. I don't, I, I don't know. But I'm going to watch all three of these movies. So I'm going to watch uh, Dead Hate the Living and Hell Asylum and The Dead and Rotting. And uh, then I'll review those and see if they actually work any better in their full-length version as opposed to this very edited-down version. When I started looking at the reviews for this online, um, people go both ways. They're like, no, the original ones were better. And other people were like, no, they're much more watchable uh, when they're shortened down. So <laughs> who knows? But yeah, I'm going to watch that. So I don't know. Stay away from this one. It's not that great. Midnight Cory, apply directly to your iPod. 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 Midnight Cory, available at iTunes or at midnightcory.com. Well, I'm going to give you some more original music this week. Uh, in the first two episodes of this podcast, um, I played you songs that I wrote all the words for and wrote all the music for, and it was completely originally me. But uh, here, this week, and maybe the next uh, couple episodes, I'm not sure, just depends, uh, I'm going to start playing some covers, uh, because I really, really enjoy playing cover songs, taking other people's songs and making them something of my own a little bit, and really kind of twisting them into a whole new animal. And I think that's a lot of fun. <laughs> so... And there, there are some really strange songs. You know, I pick, I'm not going to pick obvious songs. Uh, I'm going to be reaching from all over the place and making them into something completely new. So here we go. I'm starting off this week uh, with a cover song by a great artist. And that artist would be Prince. 
Uh, I actually kind of like Prince. You know, he has some good stuff, especially his earlier stuff, his funkier stuff. Uh, he's actually a good bass player. He's a good guitar player. Um, and I think he writes some really great songs. But the song that I chose to cover from him this time uh, is something at least a little more recent. Uh, it's not classic Prince, that you know, as I would categorize it. But this song is seven. <laughs> and I don't know. Why did I pick to do this song? Um, it's not necessarily because I listen to it a lot. I, I actually haven't listened to it that much at all. I've heard it enough, though, that I, can, uh, I know what it sounds like and I can sing it and everything. But I really like the lyrics to it. I think the lyrics are kind of, uh, you know, kind of cool. Kind of cool. So <laughs> I decided to remake the song Seven, to cover the song Seven, whatever you want to say. Um, let me warn you, this is also done in a very, 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 very different style than uh, the other songs that you've heard me do on the podcast. So, yeah, that's another thing I like doing is changing up styles uh, dramatically. <laughs> You'll find that out because I got some crazy ones coming. But anyhow, I bring you now... My rendition of the song Seven by Prince.
Oh, wow. A couple great voicemails this week. Hey, Corey. Uh, my name is Betty. I'm from Maryland, so I'm sort of kind of your neighbor. Um, I wanted to say that I was very happy to hear that you're back in the podcasting universe. Very happy to see um, something come from you from my uh, iTunes feed. Um, I was always a fan of yours. Um, I just never got to call in to the voicemail of death, and I'm very happy that I got to now and that I have another chance. So your uh, your podcast is, is wonderful, or was wonderful, so I'm looking forward to the new generation of the uh, Midnight Corey. Um, I did, when I was uh, listening to you, um, well, I have been ever since you took over for Root Rot, but uh, when I was moving back in November and December and packing boxes and all that mundane shit you have to do when you move, I was listening to podcasts, and one of them was yours, and you did that um, that uh, review for Flesh for Frankenstein, which uh, I had just recently watched and thought it was a hoot, and it was great listening to you talk about it. Man, what a what a crazy movie! Um, but anyway, uh, I wanted to give you some feedback on that and tell you how much I enjoyed it. So now I have a chance to. Um, congratulations on being published. I really enjoyed your story, Redemption in Dark, a horror anthology. Um, I loved uh, the story a lot. I thought that it was very aptly named, and uh, I did not see Trevor's history coming at all, and uh, it was quite a shock. Really good, good ending. And for all of you that are wondering what the hell I'm talking about, you need to get the book and read this story and all the other good ones that are in there. Um, Anyway, I just wanted to say hi, and uh, hopefully I will call back again when I feel I have something to say. Um, I would love to see the computer return because he was uh, always a, a big favorite of mine in your podcast. And uh, I liked your music at the end. I, I got to say, I really respect people that make original music. I play guitar myself, but I do all covers and um I really wish that I could break this writer's block that I have and, and produce something original. So I have a, a lot of respect for you on that. And your song, um, uh, Bend That Light, was uh, really cool. And I'll have to look up your cover of the Edmund Fitzgerald on your blog, which I've now subscribed to. So I just wanted to say hello, and uh, hopefully I'll call back in again, and I hope you keep up these this new podcast. I'm really looking forward to it. Bye. Betty, welcome. Man, it is great that you called in, and I am just really uh, grateful. I really appreciate everything that you said. That's fantastic. I have really felt a very warm welcome coming back into the whole podcasting thing here, and thanks for your words of encouragement about everything. <laughs> and Flesh for Frankenstein, yeah, it's a crazy movie, and uh, you know, you, you remember what I said about it, but yeah, yeah, that's definitely an interesting watch, and it is, I think, a lot of fun. Um, and as far as uh, the original music goes, hey, that, that's really cool. You know, some people just really like to play covers, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, this week I'm doing a cover, and uh, so, yeah, I think uh, covers are a completely valid form of uh, musical expression because you put a little bit of yourself into there, although it's not necessarily your song originally. But you can take something and kind of make it your own. So I think that's really cool. That's really cool. And uh, hey, keep up the guitar work. And if you do end up recording something, you write a song or whatever, send it on over. I'd love to hear it. So uh, thank you for the kind words, Betty. And I do really hope to hear from you again. Let me know what you think.
Next, got a voicemail from my good friend, Spooky Bill. Hey, Corey, Spooky Bill here. Just listen to episode two, dos, due, zai. As usual, awesome. That, uh, what a great idea, your songs, uh, the bunch of songs that you've got for Zombie 2. That's a, I I really like that idea. I, you know, like movie. But, uh, that song you had playing your cojones, um, whatever, drums, cojones, cojones? I know it's not cojones, but it sounds like it. Anyway, uh, it kind of keeps the island, uh, that island voodoo drum beat. I kind of like it. Um, hey, thanks for the props on uh, my show. Um, I'm trying, you know, doing, uh, it's, it's fun, and uh, that's all I really hope to get out of it. So I uh, appreciate that, you know, you're enjoying it. I, uh, I put more work than I probably should into it. Um, not that it's great, but, uh, but uh, you know, I, it's fun. Anyway, um, Penny Cult, I just thought I'd mention... Uh, yeah, there are great shows on on under the Penny Cult, um, and you know some nice people too. Oh, the way I see it is pretty much like the horror podcasting network, only without all the the bureaucratic BS. Uh, they don't really have any rules. There's no dues. There's no infighting that I know of. And if the, you know if that stuff ever arises, I'm out because that stuff's just BS. Anyway, that's the last thing I'm going to mention about it. You know, I, I'm not. You know, hey. It's it's uh, group people, Good group people. We cross promote each other's shows, and uh, that's it. Um, yeah, appreciate the good words on that. Uh, glad you're liking it. I eventually do plan soon to get to the uh, you know the the dead zombies, um, zombie mortis as I call them. I just haven't uh, you know I, I want to build up the the build the foundation first. You know, I gotta got to cover our bases. Anyway, that's what I wanted to say. Excellent uh, episode two, and uh, glad to have you back again. Bye. You know, Spooky Bill is one of the nicest guys also. Not only the most intelligent, but also one of the nicest guys out here in podcast land. <laughs> and uh, Dude, I, I do appreciate the kind words for everything, and uh, man... You know, I, writing the zombie songs has been kind of a weird thing because it's just been an ongoing project on and off for many, many years. And I have all kinds of songs and uh, I'm always working on different versions of them. I, I'm trying. Ideally, I would play them with uh, one of my bands from back in the day uh, called Funkmeister Fatty. Uh, <laughs> and this is a band. It was a three piece and uh, we'd all switch around instruments, and we'd all write songs, and I did most of the zombie songwriting in that band and have played most of them uh, in that band, and it's it was just a fantastic mix of musicians and creativity and good friends. And uh, so, yeah, I'd like to kind of get the guys together to record some of those again, because all the stuff we have recorded are just from, like, practice sessions and kind of half-recorded uh, kind of multi-tracking things we tried, and nothing really finished up. And as I'm kind of doing everything myself, now I'm, I'm trying to post all of that, but a lot of the songs I have are not in, in decent versions at all. So I have... Um, a song from the very, very first uh, scene in the movie, you know, the boat can leave now, tell the crew. And I got a song about that, and then I got a song about the boat that's uh, in the harbor. And then, uh, let's see, I have a song about the zombie versus shark, of course. 
Uh, I have a song about the doctor's wife who, you know, is drinking and she's really having a lot of problems and, and she gets stabbed in the eye with wood. You know, um, I there's a, there's actually another song in the series that I didn't write that was written by the guitar player in that band, um, which is really cool. But it's about running through the woods and being chased by these zombies and getting the ankle hurt and everything like that. Um, let's see. There's another song about. Oh, what else? There's another one. Oh, about the doctor, of course. So I have a whole bunch and I just need to get them recorded. So <laughs> I'm rambling on too long about me. When in fact, I'm supposed to be responding to Spooky Bill. Well, thank you, sir, for calling in. And uh, hey, if you want to call the voicemail of death, it's a good time. It's 814-806-2828. Tell me what's on your mind. Here's something you don't see very often. You're a privileged person. These are split dogs. Wow. Yep, for veterinarian schools. Oh, we get a lot of orders for split dogs. That's really rad. Yeah. <sighs> don't fool around. You're learning. Well, thank you for listening once again. That's a wrap for another show. Yeah, yeah. This one was a lot of fun. I got to thank Eric S. Brown. What a guy. What a guy. Uh, He's just a great friend, a great writer, and you should definitely check out his stuff. I'll be posting all the links and everything that we talked about in the show notes. So go on over to MidnightCorey.com. If you'd like to leave a voicemail, it's 814-806-2828. You can email info at MidnightPodcast.com because I'm still using that email address. Uh, If you'd like to write into me, uh, thank everybody that uh, left voicemails this week and love hearing from you guys. You can also hear me on other podcasts, such as Library of the Living Dead, in which I uh, I was too late uh, to submit a segment for the most recent Library of the Living Dead episode, and I have to apologize to Dr. Puss for that. Uh, so he ended up replaying my uh, review of Survival of the Dead. So I really appreciate that. But uh, I do have a review ready. I just didn't send it in time because I was actually thinking that another Library of Horror podcast was going to come out before that. And I already have a review submitted for that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I got kind of screwed up. So I apologize. I'll send you another one. I'll send you a brand new one. So, yeah, Library of the Living Dead, Library of Horror, fantastic podcast. And also my friend James Melzer with Unleashed. He's doing a lot of great things over there at jamesmelzer.net. You ought to go check it out. So there we go. Another week, another episode. Whoop-de-doo. See you later. This is an environment of welcoming, and you should just get the hell out of here. <laughs>